Welcome to Eyes West, the podcast for movers looking for a new place to live in the American West and the best connections to get it done. Here's your host, Dick Crawford. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to Eyes West. This is Dick Crawford, and today's introduction was from today's guest team, John and Amy Angelo from Greater Phoenix, Arizona. John and Amy have uh, trained in the same network as I for many years, and we have a very similar approach to the real estate business, and that's, that's why I trust them implicitly. Today's episode is a fantastic opportunity to get to know them and the greater Phoenix area that they serve. If you'd like a formal introduction, simply contact me or your local agent, and we will hook you up and certainly stay in contact. Eyes West is now on six popular podcast platforms. So as a quick side note, when searching for the Eyes West podcast, use all one word, Eyes West. And our Facebook page is called Eyes West Podcast. It has all the episodes posted and some fun articles about life in the West. So be sure to check that out. So thank you for being on the program, John and Amy. How are you guys doing today? We're doing well. We're great. Thanks for having us. Well, it's a pleasure, and um, always good to, to hear your voices. Good to have you with us this morning. Let's just uh, start with your work. Uh, where are you in your real estate careers today? Well, we both have corporate backgrounds. We did, but we've been in the business for 20 years. Yes, 20 plus years. Amy was the first uh, one to get her license, and then I followed shortly thereafter. So I guess technically I, I worked for her, Dick. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> It's good that you know that. It is. It is, absolutely. But uh, yeah, I've been doing it for about 20 years now. All right, excellent. That's enough time to really uh, kind of understand the swings in the business and and have that, that perspective that everybody needs. Yeah, we, we've been through a few things. Yeah, between the, uh, <laughs> between the run-up in, in, in 4, 5, and 6, and then the meltdown, and then the, the rebuilding, and uh, here we are. It feels like we're back to the beginning again. Yeah, totally. Well, that's another element of trust. You know, you know people who've gone through that, and you know that there's, uh, there is some good perspective there, so that's, that's excellent. Let's get a brief profile on how you work. What, what's your approach to the business of real estate? Well, you know, similarly to you, um, the majority, the vast majority of our business is coming out of our referral network. And I think some people uh, look at that and think, well, geez, that's kind of limited. But I'll tell you, within using our database and our relationships, we have a handful of arms that kind of reach out from our business. So for, from traditional uh, buying and selling, you would look at as a traditional realtor to um, we do a lot of investor uh, transactions. Um, we're very, very active in that market, everything from regular buy and holds to fix and flip rehabs to lease options to wholesaling um, and partners out in the uh, community that are working with us alongside of us, which just gives us a really broad reach and a good overview of the, 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 the real estate market in general. Well, and I think from the beginning, we, we recognized very early on in our career, like there's really two ways that you can run your real estate business. You can either be transactional, um, where it's just about you know going from deal to deal to deal and, and not really connecting with your, your clients, um, and that is just not how we operate. We've always been very highly relational, high touch, really you know, get to know our clients, stay in contact with them, and you know, make them a part of what we feel is, is our own little real estate community. There you go. Your own little real estate community. That's, 
That's awesome. Now, in our work as realtors, we all wear a lot of different hats. Uh, name, uh, try to name one favorite hat that you wear during this uh, during this process with your clients. Well, I think the dovetail on how Amy ended that last question was um, we're con- we're connectors, and that's what we love to do the most, and that's really what we're best at. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've lived here since, since 1977, on and off that entire time. I just know a ton of people here, went to, you know, grade school, high school, college. We know somebody in every nook and cranny of this town, um, and that's what people really call on us for. Uh, So, you know, we always talk about being with our clients before, during, and after every sale, and that's absolutely true, and that's what we love the most. It's connecting them before if they need something, during the transaction, afterwards. You know, we just never go away. We're always an active resource for them. Um, and I spend most of my day just doing that, connecting people to people and places and things um, all across the valley and across the United States. It's just one of the things that we love and do the best. And that's going to help them feel very comfortable working with you and feel very engaged because you're, you're connecting with them all the time regardless of the conversation. Is, is that fair to say? Okay. I think another, another thing that's significant is that, you know, we – by getting to know our clients, we try to get a sense of, you know, their personality type. And, you know, sometimes maybe John is going to be a, a better connector for that person. Maybe it's me. It just, it just really sometimes depends on the client. And we feel like that's a competitive advantage for us because you kind of get two for one. And uh, we have the ability to, I think, uh, tag team very well and, and try to give the client the best possible experience based on, you know, just again, going back to maybe their, um, what they're needing or uh, certain aspects of, of personality, et cetera. That's a really good point. If you're, if you're connectors, you can really read people and that probably allows you to pivot a little bit to uh, kind of hand people off at the right time and for the right reasons. What would be the geographic area that you serve? What is the greater Phoenix area to you? Phoenix is a big city. You know, it's, uh, it's about 640 square miles proper. Um, the valley that we all live in, you know, is, is touched by, well, there's probably about 20 cities that kind of ring around Phoenix. So, you know, you really look at it, you know, again, north, south, east, and west, it's, it's surrounded by, that, that valley is really just all ringed by mountains wherever you go. You know, we, we look at, uh, you know, the geography is big, um, but we just look at every deal that comes across our desk and, is it something that we can, can service and, and have faith that we can get it done? Great, we, we handle it. If not, we have great realtor partners in this, in this town as well. So stuff that's either on the outskirts, stuff that's a little bit more technical, some stuff that, that bleeds into the, you know, residential commercial space. You know, we've got great partners there. So it's just looking at every, every situation, every client and every deal and just kind of figuring out, you know, how do we, how do we handle it? But to give, to, but to give you some perspective, I mean, everything from um, you know Central Phoenix, Scottsdale, um, you know Glendale, Peoria, you know Tempe, Surprise, Chandler, Gilbert. I mean, just all of the what we think most people would be familiar with. Um, and, and again, it, it does run kind of a, a north-south, east-west circle around the greater Phoenix proper area. But uh, most of those major cities are, are cities that we, we can and do serve. That's a big area. That's a big area. And it's not, it because, you're, 
because you're connectors and you live there your most of your lives, you've got people everywhere that you're connected with. So it, it can work for you. Good. You, you know, the other part, just to elaborate real quickly, you know, Phoenix, the, the valley, this, this greater Phoenix area, you know, we have um, – there's so many – big production home builders. So I could plop you down into Phoenix and blindfold you and plop you down 30 miles away and say, Dick, where are you? And you'd be like, oh, you just drove me around the block. I'm in the same neighborhood. Well, no, you know, you're in this, it's the same Brown Stucco house, you know, in, in Glendale and Peoria and Surprise, just like Chandler and Gilbert. So once you become familiar with the builders, the process, the standard homeowner association um, layouts, the geography becomes a lot less important and the home type and how it's laid out uh, is much more important. And that, that, that's why we have a scope and a geography that can be probably greater than most realtors because um, the product type is so similar. Yeah, and I also think that's a function, too, of, you know, as a general rule. I mean, Phoenix is a newer metropolitan city as compared to a lot of other big cities across across the U.S. So the homes generally are more similar. They're, you know, what we would consider to be newer construction versus, you know, older. I mean, not that we don't have older um, or custom, uh, you know, types of homes. We do, but in general, they tend to be more similar than not. That's a really interesting insight. And let's, yeah, let's hold that for a few minutes from now, but I really want to talk about that because that's a big, that's a big deal and probably a great value to the clients. If it doesn't uh, leave them with too many choices, uh, that's a great, <laughs> a great thing for them because everything is a little bit newer. Okay. Give me, uh, give me three bullet points that you want our listeners to learn about the greater Phoenix area today. Try to keep it to three. Everybody has a tough time keeping it below six. <laughs> what, first, um, what three things come right off the top of your head? You know, it's a, uh, I love that it's the, the, the name of the, the city, Phoenix, is exactly what it is. It's, you know, it's the, it's the bird that has risen out of the ashes. Um, I feel it's like a melting pot of a melting pot. Um, we have people and, and from all over the United States and the world. It's a place where you could, be, you could feel like it's home because you've lived here for 40 years uh, or you feel like it's home if you've just moved here. Um, I love that about this town. Uh, you can come here and, 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 and retire. You could come here with a brand-new business idea, and uh, you could flourish very, very quickly. It's not a parochial-style uh, city. Uh, the politics, the business is very, very open, very welcoming, uh, and I think a lot of people really overlook that. Um, second thing is, is I just love how proximate we are to so many places. With a quick, you know, four- to five-hour drive, you could be all over this western United States in about an hour in a plane. Uh, people come here for that because they're far enough away from people or employment, um, but close enough as well. We're just connected to a, a lot of different places uh, as well. And then the third thing is, is that, and I don't think most people realize this, but Phoenix really is a living desert, which is absolutely stunningly beautiful. But if you drive just uh, a little ways out uh, and not far from the city, it starts to change radically. Uh, within less than two hours, you're in Flagstaff in, in the pine country. It's the, the largest contiguous ponderosa pine forest in the world. Great skiing up there. Uh, very, very much cooler weather than we have here. 
Um, and, and that diversity just changes like that. And I don't think most people really know that about Phoenix and, and kind of how it's located. That's nice to know. Largest contiguous ponderosa pine forest in the world. Again, right. if, I plopped you, if I plopped you down there, Dick, and I said, where are you? You'd probably say, I'm Montana. It's, <laughs> un, it's unbelievable. It really is unbelievable. And it happens huh. that fast. People just don't realize it. All right. Those are three good things. Thank you. Uh, similarly, uh, take a couple of minutes and tell us about the area. What can we expect to find right there in Greater Phoenix in terms of the vibe or the geography? You talk about the living desert and such. Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. Well, I think Phoenix is pretty, it's, it's pretty diverse. I mean, we've got, just starting off with, you know, having uh, Arizona State University right here. I mean, that in and of itself, there's a lot of things that, that branch off of, off of, off of that as, as far as a college town um, and, and the amount of uh, people that are coming here for that and for um, activities associated with the university. But, you know, plus Grand Canyon University, which has been growing, Gangbusters, Thunderbird, um, the uh, Global Management School uh, uh, as well. So a lot of great, a, a lot of great innovation going on here. Um, Phoenix is just such a, uh, an easy place to live. You know, it's, a, it's on a grid system, so driving is super easy. You know, it's, it's very easy to get oriented here. People love that about it. Like, they just, it, it's just some, something that they're like, I can't believe how new, open, easy, not that much traffic um, for as, as a, a big city uh, as it is. But um, in general, I think yeah. it's, it's more of laid back. Oh, yeah. Kind of a vibe versus, you know, stuffy or, no. um, you yeah. know, yeah. It, it's um, less of a walking type of a city because we're so spread out. But again, to John's point, we have wonderful freeway and road system here. Light and rail. Uh, we do have light rail system. Um, and we do have great public transportation. But I would say, I would say we're less of a, of a high density type of a sure. uh, area. Do you happen to know the, the elevation of Phoenix by any chance? Again, when we talk about greater Phoenix, we talk about the valley. One of the great things about Phoenix is that the airport is essentially right in the middle of town. So you can be pretty far away, and within 30 minutes, most people are at the airport. Um, at that point, which is kind of in that middle section, we're right at about 750 feet above sea level. Amy and I live, <clears throat> as you drive due north up the interstate, I-17, as you're going towards you know, the, the rim country in Flagstaff, we're double that. So we're right at the Carefree Highway and, and I-17, so we're at 1,500 feet above sea level. And it just keeps rising as you head north. So you got a, a wide, uh, wide enough, shall we say, because a lot of people would say it's, it's just, quote, unquote, just desert. But you've got a wide enough diversity, and that's, that's primarily uh, because of the change in elevation. Correct, 100%. correct. Well, what are some of the popular activities during the year? What, uh, what can people do? We always kind of start the year off, and it's, it's just like uh, this place can be the center of the universe, I feel, sometimes. So, you know, every year we have the Fiesta Bowl, uh, which is a major bowl for, for college football. And, you know, every four or five years we have a national championship. You know, the Barrett-Jackson Auto Auction is here. They're based out of, out of Scottsdale. That's a massive uh, scene. The, of course, the Phoenix Open, which is, you know, the, the most attended golf event on the planet uh, literally, you know, 500,000 people will be out there during uh, Wednesday to a Sunday. It's just a massive, uh, it's awesome, a party. and <laughs> We have so much fun oh, out there God, every yeah. year. Um, you know, Super Bowls, you know, we have the Cardinals. We have all major sporting uh, teams here from everything from hockey to baseball, you know, everything, right? And then spring training. That's how we start the year, right? I mean, those are all things that are going to happen in the first four months 
uh, of being here where the weather is just fantastic and again it, do, it does it sometimes feel like like we're in the center of the universe totally it just yeah. draws a lot of people from from all over the country and that, and that's uh, 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 I think very eye-opening for a lot of people when they do come here for those events if they don't know a lot about us I think they're um, very impressed and intrigued with what they see and experience when they when they come here of course it's also a fabulous time of year it, we do. We start the year off strong when it comes to when it comes to those types of events, and then as we progress throughout the year, and we have a lot of other events that might be considered more um, community-based or driven events, including the the Pat's Run, which is the Pat Tillman Foundation. Um, you know, we're the fifth largest city in the country. There, there's something for everybody here. So there is a lot to do. Uh, it it gets a little bit warm in the summer. Uh, how does it go in the fall? What's, what are things that are happening in the fall? You know, we're a big football town. I don't think most people really realize that, but we, we, we have so many people from so many different places, and there's kind of an old saying, you know, you're not going to find a Phoenix native until you talk to somebody that's under 20 years old because everybody's from somewhere else. So uh, it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's great because uh, everybody is here from, you know, college and pro. So there's a lot, you know, the, the stuff at NAU, U of A, ASU, there's all that going on. And, again, you know, you're just a hop, skip, and a jump from all these other little towns that do all these cool things, you know, as these seasons start to change. But, you know, for us, too, and I'll, I'll be quite honest, you know, in the summertime, we spend a lot of time in and out of the market, Right. You know, we're going to head over to California and hit Big Bear. We're going to go to Flagstaff. We'll hit the beach in San Diego. You know, uh, we're, we're in and out a lot. That proximity to these places makes it really easy to stay connected to the market but still get to be away with your, your family and, and get out of some of that heat because it, it can be hot. So some people yeah. really enjoy it uh, all the time. I, I really enjoy it some of the time. <laughs> yeah, we like to break it up <laughs> as much as we can from about <laughs> June to September. A- absolutely. But that's what makes it fun, too. We just have that opportunity to be in all these different places real, real quick. Give me a, a quick story. And if it's family or if it's way back when, but give me a quick story uh, why you love the city. I mean, you've given a, a lot of great description, and kind of, uh, but I'm kind of looking for maybe anecdotal. What, give, me, give me something that really made you say, man, I just love living here. So the, the, the great thing about that question is, is that we've lived in a ton of places. I was born in Ohio. My parents moved out here when I was nine years old. Um, I was fortunate enough. I've lived in I've lived in Southern California for a while. I've lived in New York City for a while. I was in the Peace Corps. I lived in Mexico City, Guatemala City, Nicaragua. I've been a ton of places and spent more time in many places than most people do, not just as a traveler, but living there. When Amy and I got married, now she's from Montana and came down here to go to Arizona State University. We could have chosen any place in the world to live. Um, and we both kind of looked at each other and said, we've lived in all these different places, but Phoenix is just the easiest place to live. You know, getting in and out of the cities is super easy. The grid system makes it super easy. So for us, just that quality of life, of um, the ease of the day-to-day, is just, it's just really, really a fun and an easy place to live. And to your point earlier, it's easy to get out if you want to get out and do something else because of the airport and the proximity to the rest of the West. For us, it's great. You know, we live in a more of a, we're kind of up to that, up to the northern part of the edge of the city here. And for us, it's, you know, 50 steps. And I mean, I'm out in the open desert to just go. I can ride my bike. I can, you know, hike. I can do whatever. But yet, 
had to pick up my, my mom and my aunt, you know, at the airport last night, it's, it's 32 minutes right. to the core. I mean, it's, it's just a, it, it's just, it's the freeway system here used to be when we first moved here, you know, in 1977, people used to laugh at us. We really only had I-17. Now we have the, one of the best freeway systems. They have done just a remarkable job of getting people around this town and in and out. I think it's overbuilt for the actual population, but I think they're anticipating that. And uh, boy, I'll tell you, it, it's just, uh, they've done a great job with that whole system. Well, I will I will attest to that. Being from uh, Southern California, when I drive the the freeway in Phoenix, I, I had the exact same thought. Um, for a split second, I said, "Wow, this is a little bit too big for the population." And then, of course, I went into Southern California mode, and I said, "But uh, they, <laughs> you actually th- move. <laughs> they're, they're thinking. Ahead. Well, they're thinking ahead. Thinking ahead too. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's gonna it's not gonna have growing pains. We're here. We have to." Uh, we have to condemn, you know, a hundred yards on either side of the freeway to expand it, and you know, take take property from people to expand our freeway. Seems like Phoenix has has taken a page, uh, not a page out of that book, but learned from that book and um, made their freeways a little bit wider to begin with, so that they can yeah. they can uh, take on that growth. So, good yeah. on you. What do you think are the primary reasons that people are moving to the area? Are there is there anything really stick out? Because you say there's there's uh, there aren't very many natives. Why are they all coming? Um, you know, I think it's a variety of things. It, it, you know, we haven't touched a lot on just the value of what housing is, but you know, Phoenix, this this, this greater Phoenix area, um, it's the most affordable housing population, if you will, for, for the entire West. So you can look at any city from literally Albuquerque to Salt Lake all the way to, you know, Seattle and down the coast, and we just have, we're just super affordable. Arizona kind of grew up, we used to call it the 5C, so when you were a kid going to, to school and in civics class, you know, it's a, you know, copper, cotton, cattle, citrus, and climate. Those are the five things that kind of drove the, the economy in Arizona. Well, now, you know, those things are still present, but, you know, we've moved into really the 21st century. Um, the tech business here and the financial services business here have just exploded in the last 10 years. Just the employment opportunities, the ability to, again, kind of come to this town and not have to know a lot of people and to get started is amazing. The infrastructure is great for that. Um, so it's, it's a lot of that. It's, it's a quality of life. It's the affordability. Um, it's the product of what we have. You know, outside of, uh, of the ocean, we have every other kind of product you could want to purchase here. So stuff that's on lakes and waterways, um, high-rise, high-density, you know, uh, ranches and country and, you know, you just name it, right? So it's such a big place that people can come here and find what they're looking for relatively quickly. And I think all of that just kind of blends into, you know, we're all, all of us in the U.S., you know, everywhere. It's such a um, – our, our pace of life can be very, very quick um, and chaotic and hectic. I think here is a place where you can ha- have a chance to kind of settle that down a little bit and, uh, and feel like you're not just uh, running on fire all the time. Yeah, and I, I would say, too, I feel that Phoenix has been probably a bit overlooked and slightly undervalued just just over the last several years. And, and I feel like, in a way, like we kind of are starting to be discovered, if you will, um, when, when people are looking around now and thinking about making a move or, you know, especially coming from other markets and, and especially after this last year and a half where – 
people have been, you know, obviously constrained and locked down and unable to move about, you know, it's like now all of a sudden they can. And I, I think that Arizona is finally kind of getting a lot of the attention that we've been, you know, missing out on over, over the last couple of decades. You know, and, and I do think that we're really growing in the area of, of employment um, and, and the ability to, like John said, kind of get to and from very easily and, and have sort of that, like, easy day-to-day life. There's, there's a lot of other factors there that I think make it very attractive. And these days, you can find out about all of that a whole lot easier. 20, 30 years ago, it was tough to find information on a lot of things, but the great Internet has uh, helped that. And, of course, uh, the word is out about a lot of areas in the country, and and I agree. I think Phoenix uh, really shines a bright light in all of those little surveys and those articles. So uh, the word's getting out a a lot quicker and a lot broader these days. Who are the biggest employers? What are the growing industries uh, so that people can kind of get a, um, get a little profile on that aspect? Phoenix has more um, uh, financial services jobs than New York City does, if you can imagine that. Uh, there are more American Express employees here than, than any place in the world. Um, you know, Intel, Amazon, um, Freeport McMoran, which runs all the copper, you know, worldwide, all that stuff is based out of here. I, I guess that transition from the five C's, uh, then it was a bunch of service centers. And then what happened was, is all these big companies realized, wow, these service centers are great, but we have this awesome employment base. We need to be doing more innovative stuff within our companies right in Phoenix. Um, and so that has really blossomed. The, the biggest thing lately is all the stuff that's happening in the microchip uh, technology space. So um, Intel, which has been here for decades, they just uh, announced they were doing a $20 billion upgrade and retrofit of their plant, plants out in Chandler. Um, it's just massive. That whole part of the valley, we call it, kind of call it the triangle, but there's you know, Lucid Motors out there, which is, uh, is going to be a rival to Tesla, Nikola Motors, which is building these uh, hydrogen electric uh, semi-trucks. You know, that whole part of the valley has just been a tech mecca um, for the last 40 years, but really it's moving into this new 21st century stuff. Recently, um, they just started moving dirt on a $35 billion, that's a, with a B, a $35 billion plant from Taiwan Semiconductor. And that's kind of more up by where we live in the northern part of the city. So that's, you know, expected to bring, you know, somewhere between 30 to 50,000 very, very high-paying jobs um, as they're starting to build these different employment centers throughout this greater Phoenix area. So that right there is just, again, kind of moving us into that 21st century. It's just, it's just wildly spectacular. You know, ASU, Arizona State University, has been – they voted on it. I don't know, U.S. World Report, whatever. But they are four or five years in a row of the most innovative university in the country. In the country. That's over MIT and Stanford and Duke and all these other places for five years in a row. So all this stuff is kind of coming together now, and it's really starting to kind of make this place kind of blossom on the employment side. Those are some pretty big names and some pretty big, uh, big developments. I love it. Yeah. No, we're excited about it. Describe a couple of ways that a new resident can get involved in the community. You know, we've got the standard Rotary Club and church groups and PTA and all that, but name a couple local organizations maybe that are unique to Phoenix as good examples for volunteers. 
you know, the Make-A-Wish Foundation is, is based out of Phoenix. There's just a ton of stuff that you can do in, in some of those places. The Fiesta Bowl, you know, they, at one point, I don't know if it still is, but that was the largest volunteer organization in the United States. I think they had over 10,000 people that were registered volunteers for the Fiesta Bowl because they put on about 60 different events all throughout the year. It's not just ga- the game or not just within, you know, January, but they do a ton of corporate giving um, and community outreach the Suns and the Cardinals, they all have those kind of outlets for people to, to, to do. Um, the Thunderbirds, which is a, a really big group here, they're the ones that actually sponsor the Phoenix Open on the community services side. Um, just a ton of stuff that you can do there. Um, you know, again, more like Chicanos por la Causa for, you know, Hispanics that want to get involved. It's a massive organization here and very powerful and, and do a ton of great work in the community. I think one thing people don't know either the greater Phoenix area, it has the largest charter school system in the United States. So you have options for your children. So when people talk about, hey, I want to be in a place because I want my kids to go to a certain school, that kind of but kind of doesn't really exist in Phoenix because we have the the ability to cross over into all these different school districts. And the charter school district is kind of has one foot in the public school sector and one foot in the private school sector. Um, and there are a ton of those schools um, around Metro Phoenix and always are looking for, Amy and I are very involved, our, our, both of our boys go to charter schools, and we're super involved with them, uh, very hands-on. Uh, you can do, uh, you know, obviously you can, can donate financially there, but they're always asking for people to be in the classroom, to take the kids on the field trip. Uh, it's about as hands-off or as hands-off as, as you want it to be. That's outstanding because people like uh, small town stuff. They like big town stuff. And it sounds like you've got a little bit of both. Let's talk about growth for a minute. We mentioned the freeways and such in terms of regional services. And are regional services able to keep the pace with the growth um, like the freeways? Are they planning ahead properly? You know, I really feel like, I think you said it uh, said it well, Dick, they've kind of thought this out a little ahead. I feel like right now we're in this uh, point where we have capacity here. They're expanding the airport at Sky, Sky Harbor, which is our main airport, but we have a secondary airport out at uh, Mesa Gateway where Williams Air Force Base used to be. They retired that Air Force Base, oh, probably about 15 to 20 years ago, and, and there's a new regional airport out there. So they're building out that infrastructure um, across the valley. They're, they've really done a great job over the last 20 years of pulling employment out of – we really had three big employment centers, maybe four – you know, downtown Phoenix, the Scottsdale Air Park, kind of that Tempe area around Arizona State, and then out in Chandler with Intel. Well, now they've moved and started to place employment all over in these different places, more northwest where we are, more southwest um, as you're on the 10 heading out towards uh, uh, Los Angeles, and then also heading down towards Tucson off the 10 uh, and those areas just outside the city. So they're, I think they're cognizant of trying to keep the population spread out and not always heading back into the core every day with the congestion and, and, and some of that traffic um, and really trying to build out these individual cities w- with being self-sufficient. What a concept. <laughs> Again, I think you read the Los Angeles book a couple of times. That's great. Well, That's it, it's, great. Interesting that you, it's interesting that you say that because I've had a couple piece, people recently say, hey, this looks like this is a bit of a blueprint of maybe what L.A. was like 50 years ago or, or maybe even longer, right? Like, I mean, it's such a big area, but we're getting to be where we're, we're, we're now connecting places that you were like, wow, we, we didn't think that that growth w- would get there, but, but it is now. 
Right, and that's that's the good part that I've experienced myself is it appears that Phoenix has really learned from the uh, the sprawl ideas in in all parts of the country and realize hey we yeah. got to do it this way otherwise we're gonna we're gonna paint ourselves into a corner so sure. um, mm -hmm. it yeah. really does does feel to me when I'm there that uh, they're taking a lot of of good ideas from things that went so south taking a lot mm -hmm. of good ideas and planning ahead. Well, uh, let's see here. What about um, home prices? We are in real estate, uh, you know, for gosh sakes. Let's talk about right. real estate for, for a minute. <laughs> Southern California cities, we've got average home prices from 500000 to a million five, um, And, of course, that's a little bit different than, than the rest of the country. Give me some examples and stories uh, about uh, things in your town. What's the median, median or average home price, et cetera? We probably have one of the best tools uh, on valuation of any um, city uh, region in the country. So there's a, a PhD statistician mathematician, a gentleman by the name of uh, Michael Orr, who puts together the Cromford Report every single day. So we have this at our fingertips. We subscribe to the to the data, and so I literally can just look every single day and tell you, well, Dick, right now our our uh, median home price is um, $390,000 for the Greater Phoenix area. That's going to get you roughly a, you know, a 2,000 square foot home, probably a three or four bedroom. You know, that's going to range from uh, on the west side of town, uh, a home that's probably even a little bit bigger than that as you kind of sweep across the valley into the central Phoenix area and then head east, you're going to get a little bit less for your money. So that, you know, Scottsdale, Tempe, Chandler area is going to be a little bit more expensive. But we literally have the data that he generates every single day on every single city and zip code in this market. If you like to geek out on data like John does, like he lives for this stuff and is so so excited about it. Like, yes, what's going on? You know, with the numbers today and especially lately, right? Because things have been obviously very active and and kind of and kind of crazy. It's really a great tool for us and it's something that we are always happy to share with, you know, our clients of course, our agent partners across the country, people, anybody who wants to know really um, more detail about what's going on here in the Valley. Okay, so, so give me that again. 390, how many bedrooms? So it's, a, it's 390. We're just slightly above 2,000 square feet. Um, that, that's going to get you, you know, a three-bedroom, two-bath, maybe a four-bedroom, two-bath, depending on where you're looking. Um, you know, the West Valley is going to be a little bit more affordable um, than as you move east across Phoenix and into that Scottsdale, Tempe, Chandler uh, area. You're, you're going to get a little bit less, you know, for that, that 390. Very good. So, everybody, compare that to your own statistics at home and then throw in some good weather and you'll see why it's great to live in Phoenix. Uh, what about uh, things like gated communities or 55 plus or I'm sure you've got a wide range of products like townhomes and single family, but what about the retirement area? Phoenix at one point, you know, uh, was known for its retirement community. So the Sun Cities, uh, which are in the West Valley and the East Valley, those are your traditional what you would think of as a 55-plus community, right? Super low taxes, there's no schools, and none of that, right? Well, you know, the 55-year-olds today versus the 55-year-olds decades ago are completely different. Yeah. <laughs> totally. Hello. You know, I mean, my, <laughs> in, a, in, a good way. in a good way, my mom is, is 77, and I mean, she is still going, you know, going crazy. She lives in a regular neighborhood and does, you know, she's just like everything else. But even the 55-plus communities today are super active like 
of the trilogies that are out in, in the Scottsdale areas and the Vistancias out in the West Valley, out in Peoria, I mean, they're spectacular. I mean, I, I mean I'm not 55, but I live there. Oh, they're, um, like, it, they're, they're catering to, like, to, uh, it, it's like country clubs, golf, living, you know, yoga. Ball, <laughs> I mean, you name it. I mean, there's just these huge communities where you can be there. You know, and it's, it's interesting. Some people like what I would consider maybe the isolation of that. You are out of ways right? You're not going to get the daily kind of uh, uh, activity that we would get in our neighborhood, but it's out there. So if you want that, great. If you don't want that and you want to be closer in and you want to feel like you've got more of a community, you know, Amy and I live in a gated community. It's fantastic, right? Um, but right next to us is an ungated community, right? So you have just about everything that you could want depending on where, where you want to be. So, you know, the product type is, is very, you know, you can live in, we have some most people don't realize this, but we have some phenomenal high-rise living. You know, some of the condos out in downtown Phoenix and Scottsdale. Yeah, um, North Scottsdale. North Scottsdale, Kierland area. area. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, you know, you want to live in a high-rise? we got those too. So, so it's, uh, it's just about whatever you want. There, there, there's something for everybody. What about new construction? Is the supply meeting demand, or are you going through aches and pains like the rest of the country? Yeah, it's, it's beyond aches and pains here. We have, have not worked much in that new home market because it is so difficult, meaning this. You cannot walk into a new home builder today and buy a house in, in Greater Phoenix. You will be asked to be a, in a bid system where they will release so many lots once or twice a month. Um, you are going to be asked to it starting at from about $25,000 uh, and above. On lot premiums On lot only. premiums. J- just to get the ability to then write an offer on a new home build. We have been fortunate enough, as we kind of rewind back to the beginning of this conversation, because we have so many um, arms kind of out in our business where we're dealing with investors, wholesalers, people that do rehabs, we are still doing a – uh, a good job of getting people into houses on the resale side. It is really, really tough on the new build side. We've actually had people that have gone under contract on the new build um, where uh, build time was, you know, nine months or so. That time ends up elapsing. Uh, the builder pulls contracts. Uh, the builder will go back and ask for increases. Um, the builder will, will flat out say, hey, you know, you've got to sign a new contract because we're still six months out. It has not been pretty here at all. No, just like most other areas of the country, I mean, the labor and material shortages are, are you know, they're real. Yeah. And that we're, we're definitely fighting that and up, up against that. But it's very, it's really hard a lot of times. You know, we always talk about most buyers, you know, they, they've got the money for, outside of a cash buyer, they've got money for down payment, closing costs, and, you know, usually a bit above and beyond that. But when, you know, when you're asking a buyer to, you know, to bid up a lot premium, you know, in excess of sometimes 50K, and, and then you still don't know if you're even in the ballpark or you're going to get it, it just gets a little bit uncomfortable and oftentimes just not feasible for buyers to even, you know, play that game and, and, and go after a new construction home. They're definitely much more expensive than a resale home um, right now. Yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. You can kind of feel the market changing 
um, among buyers just kind of stepping back and say, okay, let's reevaluate this. So be interesting to see how that pans out. I'm sure that uh, the, the construction firms will keep their finger on that pulse, but it will be interesting to see how it all pans out. What about a buyer coming from out of town? Can they find a place to rent short term while they're looking for a house? How does that work? We really started our career on the um, uh, investment side. So we work with uh, a kind of small and medium-sized property management companies. Um, so we have, uh, uh, we have the ability to go to them and say, hey, we have a client coming in. Um, what do you guys have coming up in the next couple of months to, to put somebody in there? So instead of fighting, the rental market here is even stronger than the resale side, if you can believe it. It's very, very tough. So we work directly with those property management companies to get people in so they're not battling for rentals like everybody else. We're very good friends with an owner of a uh, kind of small to medium-sized uh, vacation rental company. She is phenomenal, and she specializes more in the smaller to medium-sized houses. So, so often you get the, the, the VRBO operators that they, they want these big, massive houses in, in Central Phoenix and Paradise Valley and Scottsdale for all these parties, but she specializes more into the small and medium condos and single families. So we do a lot of placement with her. Again, you don't have to fight for it. She's got all the contacts and, and she manages all these properties, and it's much more you know, retirement slash family-friendly to have, again, these connections of people that are doing stuff that's, you know, not a little bit out of the box and, and not where you're fighting for things in an open market. <laughs> that would be very it nice. It, it, it helps. Yeah. It just goes back to, for us, just the, you know, having our key relationships. I mean, we want to be yep. able to, to help, you know, anybody who comes to us, whether it's us directly or we, we want to, at minimum, have a resource for whatever it is that that, that person is, is looking for and try to help, you know, solve their problems and meet their needs. There you go. You guys are connectors. What, um, what two or three things should uh, out-of-town buyer consider uh, when looking to buy? You know, it's, it's somewhat generic, but how might that be, you know, a little bit uh, different for you guys? Sure. You know, it goes back to, you know, what's important to them? What are they looking for? You know, where are they coming from? Are they trying to, and I don't want to take this in a negative way, are they trying to escape something that, hey, John, we, we've, lived in a, we've lived in a high rise for years and years in downtown Chicago. We're get, we want to get out of that scene. You know, we want something that's a little bit more open. Um, hey, we want to live on a, a, on a ranch style single level, right? It's really about asking the questions um, and figuring out what they're looking for. You know, so many people come here and they want a swimming pool. And then we start to drill down, we kind of realize, do you guys really need that? And they're kind of like, well, no, we don't. But, hey, if we could have a community that at least has a swimming pool, that would be fantastic. So just kind of drilling down, understanding where they're coming from, what they're looking for here. Do they want to be in a specific geography around employment, airport, children, friends, right? Uh, all of those things are super important. And pretty quickly, I think people get to, the, to, to where we, we know what they're looking for and how to guide them. And uh, being a connector, you'll take their information and you will find something. We, we haven't left anyone homeless yet. So. <laughs> well, that's a good record to have in real estate. Yeah. <laughs> well, we have just talked about so much today. I don't think we missed anything. Uh, do you have any quick comments to wrap up with? No. I think we've covered a lot. You know, we, we, we just, uh, you know, we, we love what we do and we appreciate 
um, opportunities like this to, to share what we know and, and uh, you know, hopefully add some value and, and maybe um, provide some insight as to, to what, you know, what's happening here in our market in Arizona. I mean, obviously we're pretty, we're drinking the Kool-Aid over here, but um, we think it's a great place to be and we're just happy to help anybody who's thinking about making a move here. Yeah, I just want to say thank you, Dick, for, for allowing us to, to be on and, and uh, all the great work you've done with, you know, I've listened to, to many of these and uh, uh, the people are great. You know, we know so many of them and, and just having the opportunity is fantastic. If anybody, you know, on, in any of these podcasts is even remotely interested in an area, you know, we've got all the information. We can, you know, do just about whatever anybody needs and just having this, this platform has been fantastic. Absolutely. Well, the pleasure is all mine, definitely. John and Amy Angelo from Greater Phoenix, Arizona, thank you for being on the show today. I enjoyed catching up, definitely, <laughs> and I really appreciate your time. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks, Dick. All right. You guys take care, be safe, and have a great rest of the month. Ladies and gentlemen, that was John and Amy Angelo from Greater Phoenix, Arizona, and you can tell they are quite experienced, and they know the Phoenix area, and they're personable and professional and ready to help you land on both feet in the greater Phoenix area. If you would like me to introduce you formally to John and Amy, please feel free to give me a, con uh, give me a call, contact me or your local agent, and we will certainly be happy to uh, hook you up. And of course, John and Amy will be happy to consult with you. To understand the real value of using a realtor known to me and my colleagues, listen to the first episode of Eyes West. It's called the Eyes West Resource. It's at the bottom of the list at number one. I make a few points in that talk, and the most important one is how valuable these relationships are when buying or selling your home, just like John and Amy being connectors. So be sure to listen to episode number one. And whenever searching for Eyes West, be sure to enter it as one word, Eyes West. To learn a little bit more about me, you can Google me as Dick Crawford Realtor, always available here for your real estate needs uh, right in North Orange County, California. And I have trustworthy colleagues throughout California who can help in areas outside my expertise. That is all for today. Thank you so much for joining us. And until next time, everyone, be good, be well, and be safe.